Good morning. My name is Richard Maservi. I serve on the pastoral staff. Uh, welcome. We'll be taking a tour through uh, the entire Bible this morning. And I, I know the kids want to get going to camp, but um, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a known fact that if your week is short on time, the sermon is longer. So unfortunately, my bad, but sorry for you. Actually, this morning we're starting a, a new series on building blocks of life or really back to the basics. Uh, we, we went through the book of Corinthians this spring and looked at the various issues and problems that that church had of division and immorality and doctrinal problems and uh, the things that creep into any, any church. And in every one of them, the solution is really simple. It's Jesus. And I wanted to take a, a, a little time and look just at Jesus as the solution to every problem. And I was reminded as we were going through 1 Corinthians of, uh, I remember reading on a business trip the journal of John Wesley, and he talked about preaching from the text that, I'm gonna, that we're going to look at for the next four weeks. Only he did it all in one, one week. So if you think this is long, you should be grateful that we're not going through four main components of the, of the Christian life. But uh, I'm looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm reading from the New International Version. So if you picked up one of our guest Bibles, the New Living Translation, it is on page 916, but the words may be slightly different. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strengths. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. 
Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. We're going to be looking for the next uh, four weeks on the text uh, uh, 130. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. When I went to Bible school, we spent a lot of time on righteousness and justification by faith, and a lot of time on holiness, sanctification, and growth in the, in the work of the Spirit, and a lot of time on redemption and uh, the purchase of blood that sets people free. But I can't remember a lot of talk about wisdom. But Paul starts with wisdom, uh, first and foremost. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I went to, I found myself in college, a little older than others, and um, you wouldn't believe how ignorant somebody could be of the Bible if you didn't know it, that <laughs> I'm telling you. It was a book I had never, ever read in any capacity at all. And I uh, found myself in class one day and, uh, you know, had some uh, friends that we did projects together. And the preacher, uh, not the preacher, now he thought of himself kind of. The professor was strutting around on the dais, uh, teaching and full of himself. He was a great teacher. And he believed so too. And, and, and so and one, one morning he's strutting around and he slipped off the edge of the dais and not to fall and hurt himself. And he just kind of stumbled off. And of course, the mature college students all kind of laugh. You know, it was, a, it was Monty Python's Ministry of Silly Walks. And he, he just kind of stumbled around. Well, there's a Christian girl. And I, I didn't know she was a Christian girl because I didn't know what a Christian girl was. But she said, huh, pride goeth before, before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I thought, what? <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what I thought. I don't even know if I said back then what I thought. But I, what? Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And somehow God took that word and forced me to think, is there truth? And, you know, she said, it's from the Bible. And I thought, is there truth in this Bible? Should I look into it? Now, I didn't know then, but I found out later that that comes from the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And the book of Proverbs is part of what's called wisdom literature. It's the revelation of wisdom in everyday life. And wisdom in the, in the scripture comes from the word for to, to be skilled at something, to be able to do what you want to do. But more importantly, it's to be skilled at life. It's to master life. And the book of Proverbs offers uh, advice on every area of life, 
of marriage and child rearing and economics and most of all, character and speech. And these things uh, is the, the value of wisdom. And that's what I want to look at this morning is the wisdom of God. And then uh, later uh, other sermons will be on the righteousness, holiness, and uh, redemption. So let me look at a few things concerning wisdom. First of all, the call of wisdom, and second, the cost of wisdom, and third, the climax or the culmination of wisdom. And you can turn to this in, in Proverbs chapter 8. It's a, it's a little long. I, I, should, uh, I should say, normally uh, when we preach, we look at a particular text and uh, stay there. But these are more topical. So we'll have to jump around a little bit. And I know that irritates some people. Some people like it because you can show off that you can get there faster than your neighbor. But uh, it, it's not necessary. You can trust me that I'm reading what's actually there. I'm not making anything up. So if you don't turn, it's, it's okay. But uh, Proverbs chapter 8 uh, has a picture of wisdom as a lady inviting people to come and learn wisdom. So uh, Proverbs chapter 8, listen as wisdom calls out, hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop, along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads, by the gates at the entrance to town, and on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Choose my instruction rather than silver and my knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings reign. Rulers make just degrees. Rulers lead with my help. And nobles make righteous judgments. I, I really wanted to be positive, so I, I wanted to find a really good example of wisdom of our political leaders ruling with just decrees and wisdom. But I only had so many hours and I couldn't actually find one. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could just find the stupidest things I've learned, but Again, I only had so many hours and I couldn't decide which one was the, was, was, was the worst. But wisdom in the best sense would guide our government as well as it, as it guides our lives. And then in verse 17, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness and paths of justice, and those who love me inherit wealth, and I will fill their treasuries. So here's a, a picture of wisdom inviting people to come and learn. And she's talking to everybody, to simple people, to all people. It's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of receptivity. If somebody sees the value of wisdom, that, it, that it's more valuable than silver 
more valuable than gold, more valuable than uh, rubies, and sets their heart to learn the ways of God, they will uh, learn his ways. The call goes out for people to hear his, her voice and follow them. And ultimately, the source, uh, we read in Proverbs 9.10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And therefore, uh, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There's a, there's a value to knowing the wisdom of God. And it's accessible to everyone that has a heart to, to receive. So the invitation is to the simple, not the, the arrogant. Now, I, I, this kind of stuff is always a problem because it, it sounds so theoretical and uh, conceptual and ideas, which I love, but leave other people cold. So uh, for me, it helps to have a, a concrete example. And I, so I'm going to tell you the story of a, a new hero of mine, <laughs> heroine, I should say. She's a, she's a woman. This is Rachel Gilson wrote a book called uh, Born Again This Way. And in it, she describes her life uh, as attracted to other women rather than men. And she said, it was always this way for me. Uh, when, when we started to mature as young girls and all my girlfriends uh, started to have romantic interests in boys and feel an attraction to them, I didn't. And I had, I felt romantic feelings and attractions to other girls. And I never knew uh, when this happened or why it happened or what caused it. I, it wasn't something I chose. It was just who I was. And I, I, she grew up in a, in a house where this was not a problem. So she, she uh, went ahead and just ex experienced the, the homosexual lifestyle. Well, she's a smart gal, a young woman now, and she finds herself at Yale University, <laughs> of all places, to come to faith in Christ, <laughs> Yale University. And she was in a philosophy class one day, and uh, they were talking about, I forget which philosopher, but they were talking about, is there a God and the evidence for him and, or not and the evidence against? And whoever they were studying, she thought, well, that's a lame argument. There must be something better. <laughs> I mean, she's a smart girl at Yale. And so she devoted herself to learning whether or not there's a God that exists. And she was in a, a, one of her acquaintances' dorm room and uh, looking at the, um, at the bookcase, as she likes to say, I always look at people's bookcases so I can judge them. <laughs> and she saw on that bookcase, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And she thought, I need to read that. But she's at Yale. And she was embarrassed to ask for it, so she stole it. <laughs> I told you, she's a hero of mine. <laughs> she, stole, she stole the book. I, I'm assuming she gave it back at some point. I, I don't know. But she, she began to read. And she found her questions were answered. 
and she came to faith in Christ. And the problem is she knew what the Bible said about sexuality and marriage and what God's will was. So this is a problem for her because her entire desire, her need, her view of romance and sexuality were all tied up in uh, same-sex attraction. What am I going to do? And then she found voices that would tell her, no, 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 don't worry about it. They're not telling you what the Bible really says. It doesn't really forbid this behavior at all. But she was too honest not to study the text for herself. And she studied the text and she realized, no, it says you cannot behave this way and follow Jesus. Now, here's what makes her a model for us. Because as she's trying to decide, will I follow him and deny my, uh, my own desire? Or will I yield to my desire and deny him? And what made it hard was, other young people she knew that were sexually active outside of marriage, they come to faith, there's no problem, they just get married. But she didn't see that as a possibility, and she didn't understand why. It seemed arbitrary and capricious that here's something that goes against my inner grain, and, and I don't know why, I don't understand it, and it seems cruel. You ever been in that situation where you, you probably have different issues, but something that God says it is different than everything in you says, that's not the way I want to go, but I have to decide God's way or, or not. And what is striking to me, and, and I believe it's the Spirit of God directed her thoughts, and she began to think, isn't this like Eve in the garden? That God puts a tree and says, you can eat any tree you want, but not this one. And doesn't give her any reason or explanation, and it seems arbitrary. And there's a temptation then that Eve has. It looks good. It's desirous. And it will make you wise. Why not? And what Rachel decided was, is God saying to me that if you understand it and agree with it, you'll obey me. But if you don't understand it and don't agree, you won't. And she has to decide, will I obey God even though I don't understand or I don't agree. That's the cost of wisdom. The cost is we have to give up our own wisdom to receive God's wisdom. And what makes her a hero to me is that she, that's exactly what she did. That she chose Jesus as more valuable, more beautiful, more worth following than her own desires or her own culture's 
desires. And it's not that she never failed again, but he was always first. And that's the cost of faith. Some of us, maybe a different thing, some illogical thing. You think God might be leading you maybe to a life of celibacy and ministry as a missionary or to turn down a promotion that would be more money and more status, but it would require more hours that you couldn't spend in service and ministry to, to other people. There are challenges that, that God brings to us that we either follow or, or not. And that is the, that's the cost. But the climax of wisdom, and this is what she found, was that Jesus is wisdom. And he is more valuable than the gold and the silver, the precious stones that wisdom has. So for Paul, wisdom is not just ideas and doctrines and principles and do's and things to do and things not to do, but the, the essence of wisdom is a person. And the person is the person of Jesus. In, in Colossians, which on Wednesday night we will get back to eventually, we, we, <laughs> Lord willing, <laughs> Paul says that hidden in Christ, hidden in him, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hidden, secure, protected as valuables, but they're also hidden in that we can't find them without finding him. We receive the wisdom of God when we receive the true, perfect wisdom of God revealed in, in Christ. There's a, there's a song you might, if you listen to contemporary Christian music on the on the radio, there's a, there's a song that talks about there's a, a space in every beating heart. There's a longing that reaches past the stars. There's an answer to every question mark. There's a name. Love has a name. Joy has a name. Victory has a name. And in Paul's words here, wisdom has a name. It's the name of Jesus. The wisdom of God revealed through him. And Jesus invites us to come and receive wisdom from him that's hidden from the world. That the world, as Paul says, calls it foolish. And you're foolish for following him. But the invitation goes out to those that will hear. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus prayed this prayer. O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the Christ-like, the, chi the child-like and Christ-like, <laughs> revealing them to the child-like. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this my Father has entrusted everything to me. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And to those that the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. 
and I'll give you rest. Come and learn of me and you'll find rest for your soul. This is the invitation of God. The wisdom that Eve wanted and didn't receive is here for us, for us today. The, the, the wisdom that the nation of Israel did not follow is here in the flesh. The true wisdom, the perfect wisdom, the revelation and incarnation and embodiment of wisdom in the world now, inviting us to come and receive those treasures of hidden wisdom that are in him. And if we don't, I didn't read it, but the book of Proverbs has a lot to say, not just about the wise, but the fool. And the fool is the one that scorns the invitation of God and turns away from, and the fool is the one that goes on to, to destruction. So there is a value of, of wisdom beyond anything else in life. And there's a cost in that we give up our own wisdom to receive God's wisdom. And there's a climax in the person of Christ inviting us. I had a friend in college and I sure hope he was telling the truth. <laughs> it's a great illustration, <laughs> but I don't know enough to know if it's true. But maybe you've, uh, maybe you've flown helicopters. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. And he said that they, they had to train him to fly by the instruments. And what the, what the instructor would do is they would go up. He would turn that helicopter this way, that way, around, all, you know, up and down and all around. And, and all, eventually, the vertigo would be so intense that he could feel the helicopter going, you know, he could feel it like this as he's, as he's turning, but as he launches the instruments, they're dead on horizontal, and he's feeling the thing going over, and if he gave into the feeling and turned it up, then he would surely, he would surely crash. And he said the feeling was so intense, everything in him said, turn that, turn it, turn it. Tears are running down his, his cheeks as he has to decide, I'm going to fly by that instrument or I'm going I'm to crash. That's the call that we have. And you may not be in the same uh, situation that Rachel was in, but there, it, there comes a time in everyone's life where we have to choose between something that is everything in me says, do this, and God's word says, don't do that, do this. And that's the cost of wisdom. And the cost of denying it is worse. It's the destruction of a life. When we, we listen to the voice of our culture, we listen to the voice of our world, we listen to the voice of our friends, we listen to the voice of our family, we listen to the, the, the voice of the entertainment industry or the online industry or the big tech or everyone else. We listen to the voice of false teachers. But God has a word for us to follow him 
into eternal life. And that's what Paul is talking about in wisdom. And as he read before, the world looks at the crucifixion of Christ and sees its foolishness. But that's the cost of godly wisdom is a crucifixion of who we are. And we have to decide, is Jesus more valuable to me than that deepest need and desire and ambition and dream, the thing I've always longed for? Is, it, is he more valuable to me than that? And that brings us to death. There was a woman who, who grew up with one ambition, and that was to be a single woman missionary to give her life for the gospel. That's what her ambition was. That's what her desire was. That's where her heart was. That's what she planned to do with her life. And God had another plan and brought her to a place of marriage and children. And she, something had to die in order for Ruth Graham to marry Billy Graham. And so it worked out well for her. But it doesn't always work out well for us. There is a cost to choosing the direction that God has, has for us. And this, is, this is Paul's word. That he became to us wisdom from God. And it was, as he says, that because of God, you are in him. When we put our faith in him, we are united with him and we receive from him the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, and the redemption and salvation of God. This is the call and the offer that he, he gives. So when Paul came to Corinth, he said, I didn't come with excellence of speech, with eloquence, with rhetoric. I didn't come with speculative philosophy and knowledge that you're so uh, attuned to, but I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That the crucified Savior is the wisdom of God to save the world from their sins. That the world looks at it and says, this is foolish to give your life for people you don't know. But it's the, it's the heart of God, born in his son, inviting us to come and receive from him. I determined to know nothing among them except him and him crucified. And therefore, he says, let him who boasts, boast in him. Your faith is not based on uh, the world's ideas, the world's knowledge, the world's principles. Your faith is based on who Jesus is. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let the one that boasts, boast in this that he knows and understands me, the Lord, that I act in steadfast love and righteousness and justice, for I delight in these things. Now, I don't know your heart. I know 
the times over life where I had to make decisions based on what I thought God's will was, no matter what it cost. And maybe something came to your mind, I don't know, that God has been dealing with you about. And you've been thinking, is Jesus worth it? And I would say, yes. You can trust him. For isn't he the one that sweat in a garden, recoiling from the requirement to drink the cup of the world's sin and God's wrath, recoiling with everything in him, says, no, this, I have, I have had victory over temptation my entire life, and now everything in me says, no, do not drink this cup. Nevertheless, at your will, at your will, I'll do it. And the disciples experienced that in just a, a small measure. And Jesus is teaching and he tells them, move the boat out deeper and throw in the nets. Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. But at your word. And they throw the nets. That's the call of wisdom. At your word. Our Lord, our God, we were born and we lived in darkness. And you sent your light. We lived in stupidity. And you sent your understanding and discernment, wisdom. We lived in selfishness and pride. And you broke our hearts before the, the sweet Savior who gave his life for us. We ask that his wisdom would be ours. That you would draw us deep into his heart and it would be manifested in us. For this we thank and praise you in his name. Pastor Jeff.